0: It is truly a joy and a blessing that God has given us, opportunities such as this to be together, to praise his name, uh, to spend time remembering what he's done for us, uh, and to open our ears, open our hearts, and, and listen to his word. Two weeks ago, we began a discussion of the biblical idea of fellowship, uh, and as we looked at the scriptures, we, we see clearly that fellowship is not some minor or obscure biblical idea. Um, it's in fact, one of the first and most foundational things we see the New Testament church devoting themselves to in the passage that we just read there in Acts chapter two. And so it's something that we need to be devoted to. Um, but how do we do that? What, what does that look like? We, we saw in our last study that fellowship is first a spiritual reality. Uh, there's first a spiritual foundation. It's not just some kind of social or or any kind of social relationship or activity, we, we are fellow members in the family of God, uh, fellow workers in God's kingdom, fellow soldiers in a spiritual fight. But that spiritual reality um, can and, and should demonstrate itself in some clear outward expressions that we need to be devoting ourselves to as the church. And so in the context of Acts 2, the, the primary way that we see them expressing that fellowship or devoting themselves to that fellowship was in the the ministering to the needs of the saints. Um, We see that they functioned like a family, like a household of faith. They had all things in common, sharing their possessions uh, as anyone had need. Uh, individually, we see that expressing itself in them showing hospitality to one another. Uh, and collectively, we see them regularly taking up uh, a contribution and distributing to the needy uh, among them. We see this even more clearly in Acts chapter 4. Uh, and as we go throughout the book of Acts, we see them extending that same expression of fellowship to other needy brethren and, and other places. Um, And this goes along with the constant biblical emphasis on brotherly love. Uh, Our love and service to one another in particular uh, is one of the primary ways that the world around us is gonna know that we're Jesus' disciples. Um, But the ministry to needy brethren is not the only expression uh, or outward expression of fellowship we see throughout the New Testament. So today I want us to follow up by looking at some other aspects Uh, and and principles of fellowship in the scriptures. Um, And I hope it will help us to be more fully and and biblically devoted to fellowship as a group of God's people. Um, And so another way that we see fellowship expressing itself, that we see the early church devoting themselves to fellowship, is in the supporting of the preaching of the gospel. If you want to look in the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 1, uh, notice what Paul says near the beginning of his letter to these brethren in Philippi. Starting in verse 3, he says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all. Verse 5, in view of your participation, literally your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. And so one of the things that Paul is, is thanking God for uh, is for their continual fellowship, or koinonia, in the, the gospel, um, what what does he mean by that? Uh, there's probably a lot of different things that could be included in what he says here. Uh, their common reception of the gospel, their common obedience to the gospel, their common proclamation of the gospel. But I think as we read through the book of Philippians, uh, there, there's one very definite outward expression of that fellowship in the gospel that, that Paul speaks about. If you look further to Philippians chapter 4, notice how he describes this fellowship in the gospel that they had from the very first day until now. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, we'll read verse 15 and 16. Paul says, you yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me, literally had fellowship with me, in the matter of giving and receiving, but you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. And so here is the verb form of that word for fellowship. And specifically, not not only did they have fellowship in the gospel because they were preaching the same gospel, uh, because they were living the same gospel, because they had received and obeyed the same gospel, but they were having fellowship with Paul in particular by supporting him in the work of the gospel. From the very first day until now, time and again they had sent for his needs so that he could continue to devote himself to this work of preaching the gospel. And so we see fellowship here uh, is is not just providing for needy brethren, uh, but also providing for the needs of working brethren, right? and while the, the word fellowship is not always used to describe this, we see this concept uh, you spoken of in, in many different um, ways in other passages throughout the New Testament. Uh, turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Uh, again, this passage doesn't use that word fellowship in the same way uh, that it was used in, in Philippians, but it's talking about the same... Action is talking about the same uh, thing going on here. In First Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 7, uh, we'll read a, a larger context here um, and then stop and, and, and talk about it. And starting in verse 7, Paul says to the church in Corinth, uh, Who at any time serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat the fruit of it? Or who tends a flock and does not use the, the milk of the flock? I'm not speaking these things according to human judgment, am I? Or does not the law also say these things? For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing. God is not concerned about oxen, is he? Or is he speaking altogether for our sake? Yes, for our sake it was written, because the ploughman ought to plow in hope, and the thresher to thresh in hope of sharing in the crops. If we sowed spiritual things to you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? If others share this right over you, do we not more? Nevertheless, we did not use this right, but we endure all things so that we will cause no hindrance to the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that those who perform sacred service services eat the food of the altar uh, of the temple? And those who attend regularly to the altar have their share from the altar? So also the Lord directed those who proclaim the gospel to get their living from the gospel. So here, Paul's talking about his preaching with the church here in Corinth, and he makes it very clear that he has every right to expect them to help provide for his needs as he devotes himself to this working of, of preaching the, the gospel. And he describes that in many different ways. Um, but but I want you to notice what kind of work Paul says uh, that we should have this kind of fellowship in. Is it is it simply... You know, that, that we should be supporting, or do we see anywhere in the scriptures that we should be supporting doctors and nurses, or uh, social workers, or social uh, coordinators, or university professors? No, what, what we see is that they had fellowship in the gospel, right? Um, the only example we see is supporting those engaged in the work of the gospel, in preaching and teaching the gospel, soldiers in a spiritual fight laborers in a spiritual vineyard, those who are sowing and plowing in a spiritual field, uh, and even shepherds in a spiritual flock. Uh, and Paul acknowledges that he had this right on a local level to, to receive support from the, the group that he was among there. For for wisdom's sake, in this case, he didn't want to exercise that right lest it be a hindrance to the effectiveness of the gospel. He, he wasn't preaching because he wanted a paycheck, that's not his motive. Um, but, uh, but, in this case, he did receive that support from elsewhere. We can actually read in second chronicle Second uh, Corinthians, uh, chapter eleven, uh, verse seven through nine, Paul talks again about this, uh, and he says, "I robbed other churches by taking wages from them to serve you." Now Paul's not actually robbing, <laughs> but but he is taking support from other places to do the work among these brethren. Uh, He calls that him receiving wages to do this work from other places. Um, And so that's exactly what we saw in Philippians. He was taking support from those brethren in Philippi, not only as he was among the the brethren there, but even as he went out and preached other places, that congregation in Philippi had fellowship with him in the gospel and the work that he was doing um, by, by lending financial resources so that he might continue to devote himself to that work. Uh, And we see this as well in 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 5, uh, a slightly different situation here, but the same principle. Um, Chapter 5, verse 17 and 18, Paul here writes, The elders who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, You shall not muzzle the ox, while he is threshing, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. So here he uses the same reasoning, and here specifically he applies it to shepherds in a local flock. He used that illustration back in the passage that we read in 1 Corinthians. Um, But even shepherds, pastors, um, local uh, overseers of a flock, he says, especially those who are laboring in preaching and teaching. Those who are engaged in the the work of the gospel. That that is the business of the church, if you will. Not that I want to necessarily label it that way. But but that is the work that God uh, has commissioned us to support. Um, And and think about it this way. Uh, What kind of work might you give your children an allowance for doing? Would you give your children an allowance for playing hopscotch out on the sidewalk? Or for for how many times they ride their bike around the block? Well, no, if you chose to give your children an allowance, uh, it would logically be or naturally be for the household responsibilities they perform, right? The the work they do for the good of the family and its needs and its goals. Uh, And so what we see here in these examples is when it comes to God's family, um, we need to look to the head of the household when it comes to defining what our work is. And we need to look to the head of the household uh, to see what he shows us is, is worthy of an allowance, so to speak. Uh, what kind of work should be part of our fellowship? And if our goal is to follow the head of the household and how we function and how we work as a local church, i, I suggest to you that we need to try to abide within the pattern revealed to us within the scriptures. Uh, and use the fellowship of our treasury in the ways that we see the New Testament church using it. Um, but, but the fellowship of ministering to needy saints, uh, providing for the needs of uh, our brethren as family, and providing the needs of those who are working in the gospel, uh, are not the only outward expressions of fellowship we see within the scriptures. Is there anything, any other outward uh, expressions of fellowship that we, that we can look at? Well, also, joining together in worship is described as an act of fellowship. What, you, what we are engaging in right here and right now is an aspect of, of fellowship, an act of uh, or expression of fellowship. Look, look in First Corinthians chapter ten. First Corinthians chapter ten. In verse 16 and 17, here specifically speaking about the Lord's Supper, he'll go on to talk about many other aspects of their assembly later in this letter. But in verse 16 and 17, he says, Is not the cup of blessing which we bless a sharing, literally a fellowship, in the blood of Christ? Is not the bread which we break a fellowship in the body of Christ? Since there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one Read. Here, th- there is a, a spiritual reality behind this. We, we are one body, but as we join together in what we often call the communion, literally the fellowship, um, that is an outward expression and recognition of the fellowship that we share. First, the, the fellowship that we share with the Lord, uh, we, we are commemorating and praising him that we are able to be in fellowship with him through the blood of his son. But also there is a a together aspect of that where we are acknowledging uh, that this common bond that we have with the Lord, we have with one another, that we're one body in Christ. And and you you see that back in Acts 2. Remember in Acts 2, verse 42, uh, they devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine and to... Fellowship, which I think in that context is primarily talking about providing for the needs of the saints. But then what else did they devote themselves to? To the breaking of bread and the prayers. To, to acts of collective worship. Those as well we see as expressions of our fellowship. The local assembly of a church, uh, not, not just the bringing of our funds and resources together, but the bringing of our bodies together. In a, a, a loc- uh, one location for worship and edification is an expression of spiritual fellowship. Um, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25, uh, here we see how much this was a regular part of, of what the local church was and what the local church did it says and let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near clearly assembling together was a regular and consistent practice of the the churches of the first century right uh, it's part of the pattern that God has left for us of what he desires for us to be doing. Uh, specifically, we see them gathering together for the purpose of breaking bread, of remembering the Lord's death. But, but you think about the, the word church, right? Ekklesia, what does that mean? It means assembly. You know, us coming together is, is one of the most foundational things that makes us a church, Right? And so it is in the act of coming together uh, that, that we are expressing that fellowship that we share with one another. As one body, as one flock, as a family. Um, and so really all of the things that we engage with and when we come together have an element of expressing fellowship with one another. Uh, a sharing in worship, a sharing in God's word, a sharing in in edification. If you think about the different things that we see throughout the New Testament that the early church engaged in within their assemblies, uh, you can see this one another aspect of of all of those things. Consider Colossians 3. Colossians 3, verse 14 through 16. We'll we'll focus on verse 16, but I want you to see the, the context of verse 14 and 15 here. As Paul is writing uh, to the, the brethren here in Colossae, he says in verse 14, beyond all these things put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which you were called in one body and be thankful. Verse 16, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Do you see how even their song worship was an element or outgrowth of their fellowship? He's been talking about the bond of unity that they have, that they are one body. And then he says, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. That's the second plural we might say, within y'all, within you all, or yins, I guess is what we would say here. right? Let the word of Christ dwell within you all, teaching and admonishing one another. In Psalms, Hymns, and Spiritual Psalms. Can we fulfill that command without some element of fellowship? Can I, can I fulfill that command on my own? Well, no, there, there's a one another, a clear one another aspect of what God intends for that to be. To, to allow the word of Christ to richly dwell within our hearts collectively and be expressed and us sharing that word with one another through song. That's fellowship. Our worship together, just like the Lord's Supper is the fellowship, um, we are expressing fellowship, collective uh, sharing in worship and sharing in edification uh, as we sing to the Lord. And you see that same idea with prayer. Remember Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. Uh, Prayer as well, collective prayer, uh, is an expression of fellowship. Acts 2 42, when Peter and John go back to their own companions, it says they lifted their voices to God with one accord in prayer, right? Um, And so, yes, there's an aspect of of individual prayer prayer unquestionably. We need to be devoting ourselves to prayer in every uh, aspect of our lives, uh, praying without ceasing. But when it comes to the assembly, we see that they collectively were devoting themselves to prayer um, and, and sharing in this common communication with the Lord, joining their hearts together, coming as brothers and sisters into the presence of our Father, Uniting our hearts to express our petitions and our thanksgiving to him. And so really, everything that we do when we come together as an assembly of God's people has an element of fellowship to it. A fellowship in our collection, right? Um, That that was one of the very foundational things we see talking about about fellowship in Acts 2 and Acts 4. Uh, Fellowship in God's word. Devoting ourselves to the Apostles' Doctrine. Uh, fellowship in the Lord's Supper, the fellowship, in song worship, and in prayer. Now, we do see throughout the New Testament that there are examples of non-believers coming into an assembly. 1 Corinthians 14 gives us uh, an example as Paul is talking about how they were conducting their assemblies. He says, well, what if a non-believer comes in? What is he going to, to think? Um, and so it's not that, uh, you know, we, we need to be, be discerning and make some judgments about fellowship with, with who it is that we allow into the door, right? And, and we got to make sure that, that they're a believer because if they're going to be part of this fellowship, then, uh, you know, we have to already know that they're in fellowship with the Lord. But, at least from God's eyes, the unbeliever who comes in is an observer of that fellowship, not a participant in that fellowship, Right? Um, and, and we'll we'll talk here in a moment a little bit more about some aspects of discernment in fellowship. Uh, but what what is going on here, what God intends to be going on here is that we join together in fellowship in taking care of one another like family and spending time feeding upon and supporting the, the, the preaching of his word and in joining our hearts together in in worship. but but let me ask another important question here. Um, who decides what we do in this assembly? Who decides what activities are or are not included in this fellowship? Is it, is it some board of directors? Some popular vote? Whatever seems worthwhile to us? You know, Do, do we just sit down one day... Uh, and say, well, what do you guys think we should do in our assembly? And somebody said, oh, oh I, I got an idea. I think we should sing. You say, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. I, I like singing. That sounds like a really helpful and, and edifying thing to do. Let's do that. Is that how that works? It's not how it's supposed to work. Right? When, when it comes to what we are intended to do with our fellowship, As a group of God's people, the work that we're intended to be joining together in collectively, um, the things that we come together and pool our resources together to accomplish are not the things that we come up with on our own. They are the things we see the New Testament church engaging in together as an assembly in fellowship. And... Granted, there there may be some room for discernment when it comes to the details and logistics of accomplishing some of those things. Uh, It's not always simple. We're going to have to make some judgments about uh, how do we accomplish what we see God revealing to us in the New Testament. Um, But but I think we can uh, agree on the common foundation. We need to do our best not to go beyond what's written. We need to abide within the doctrine of Christ and the pattern God has left for us within the records of the New Testament. That that is our goal, is to make sure that in everything we do together, as a family, as a body of his people, we are doing what it is that God designed us to do, um, that God intended for us to be. There is one other aspect of uh, outward expressions of fellowship that I think we see in the New Testament. And that is communicating approval or support. Um, Turn your Bibles to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. And we'll start reading here in verse 7. Paul is defending his apostleship, his preaching of the gospel, um, that he got this from the Lord, not from any other place. Um, And he says down in verse 7 about his visiting Jerusalem, he says in verse 7, But on the contrary, seeing that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been to the circumcised, for he who effectively worked for Peter and his apostleship to the circumcised effectively worked for me also to the Gentiles. And recognizing the grace that had been given to me, James and Cephas and John, who were reputed to be pillars, gave to me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship so that we might go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. They only asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I also was eager to do. There's our word fellowship. And, and what, what is it talking about here? I, I don't think there's any indication from the, the context that we're talking about Fellowship in the sense of of providing financial support so that Paul could could preach. Um, In fact, in this context, if there's any uh, financial aspect of what's going on, Paul and Barnabas are the ones who are raising support uh, for the needy brethren in Jerusalem later on, right? Uh, It's not that they are receiving funds from those brethren, those elders in Jerusalem uh, to preach the gospel. So what does it mean that they extended the right hand of fellowship? I don't think either it's here that they were accepted as local members of that flock. Um, What what I think we see here is that they publicly expressed their uh, approval and support of the work that that Paul and Barnabas were doing. Uh, As we saw there in verse eight, they're recognizing that he who effectively worked for Peter and his apostleship to the circumcised, effectively worked for me also to the Gentiles. And they recognize the grace that had been given to me. They said, this this is God. This is God working. God's working in you and God's working in us. We're brothers. We're doing the same work. You go out and you continue to preach the gospel over there. We're going to preach the gospel here. There's a public recognition of the spiritual reality of their fellowship um, that may not, be any more than, than communicating uh, verbally or otherwise uh, this, this support of one another. Uh, they're essentially saying, hey, hey everybody, these men are our brethren, our fellow workers in the gospel. Encourage them, support them, pray for them. Uh, they're doing good work. And, and we see Paul expressing fellowship in that way many times throughout his letters. Uh, if, if you read through the epistles, you know, how many times does Paul say, hey, this is Timothy Hey, this is Epaphroditus, this is Tichicus, uh, Onesimus, Phoebe, they're doing good work. Support them. Encourage them. Um, th- this is your brother. This is your fellow worker, right? Uh, and so um, I think there's an element uh, to which we as well can communicate that. We, we might do that today by things we put in our newsletter or on our bulletin boards Things that we announce from the pulpit or or send out to everyone in an email saying, you know, this is some event that our brethren are are hosting. There's good work going on over here. If you want to be engaged in that, Um, be engaged in it. Uh, This is some brother or sister that needs our prayers, that needs our encouragement. Um, These are your brethren. Reach out to them. Support them. Uh, this is some evangelist or teacher that's doing good work. You should listen to some of the things that he says in this video or this blog or this podcast, right? Um, whatever it might be, there, there may be different ways that we communicate approval and support. Um, and as we think about that, I think we need to recognize there's a negative side to that as well. Um, turn, turn your Bibles to John, uh, 2 John. Uh, the second epistle of John Uh, And let's read verse 9, I have verse 10 and 11 up there. Let's read verse 9 through 11. Here John writes, Anyone who goes too far and does not abide within the teaching of Christ does not have God. The one who abides in the teaching, he has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house. And do not give him a greeting, for the one who gives him a greeting participates in his evil deeds. Do you see what John is warning them against here? That there are those who are not abiding within the doctrine of Christ. Um, now, I think we can see elsewhere, passages like Romans 14. Uh, you know, there, there are going to be times that as we're studying, we may, we may work, be working through different conclusions. I, I don't think that's what, what he's talking about here. But, but there are those who are not taking their stand on the doctrine of Christ, who aren't making an effort to abide within that teaching, who are bringing some teaching that's coming from another source, from some other place. right? If that's the case, then how do we need to handle that? He says, don't even welcome them into your home. Don't give them a greeting. You think about the, all the greetings that Paul gave in his letters, expressing this kind of right hand of fellowship, expressing, these are your brethren, support them and encourage them. He's saying, don't do that. Don't in any way communicate support of those who are teaching things and leading people away from the Lord. Right? And so there, there is a need for discernment. I think it's while we want to be as devoted and eager and zealous about fellowship as we can be, that's, that's what the early church was doing, we also need to be discerning about fellowship. And, and we could probably um, take a, a lot more time. I was afraid this lesson was going to uh, go on too long, so I didn't add many more points here. We're, we're getting close to wrapping up. But, but we, we see this concept of discerning fellowship really applies to all the areas of expressing fellowship that we've just talked about, right? Right? Not only does it apply to giving the right hand of fellowship, to publicly communicating support, certainly it's going to apply into uh, the, the, the preachers and teachers that, that we um, give financial support to, right? If somebody is not abiding within the doctrine of Christ, we're, we're not gonna give the right hand of fellowship. We're not going to uh, have fellowship with them in their preaching of a, of a false gospel um, or things, errors that are leading people astray uh, from, from the doctrine of Christ, right? Um, I I think we can see in Acts 9 as well, there's an example there of Paul seeking to join himself uh, to the the local flock, at least for a time in Jerusalem. Uh, Acts 9, verse 26, when he came to Jerusalem, he was trying to associate or join himself to the disciples. But they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took hold of him and brought him to the apostles and described to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he had talked to him on how at Damascus he had spoken out boldly in the name of Jesus. And he was with them, moving about freely in Jerusalem, speaking out boldly in the name of the Lord. And so, uh, you know, there, while there may be many unbelievers who come into our doors, who observe our fellowship, um, who, you know, hopefully are encouraged and drawn closer to the Lord through what they see in our fellowship, um, those who would seek to join themselves to this block, we're going to need to use some discernment. Right? Uh, of, of who is and who is not in, in fellowship with God. Um, there's a need for discernment in ministering to the needs of the saints. Um, if that's, you know, that, that primary action in Acts 2 that we see them expressing fellowship through, um, we need to make sure that, that we are using some discernment just like these other expressions of, of fellowship. Um, and so I, I challenge us to continue studying these things. Um, to, to think more deeply about how we can be better devoted to fellowship uh, and also discerning in fellowship in a way that, that is pleasing to the Lord, is glorifying to him, accomplishes his goals and his purposes for us. If we truly want to be the church that God designed and intended for us to be, uh, then we need to think more seriously about uh, and devote more energy into fellowship, into biblical fellowship. Um but, but the most important aspect of fellowship is that spiritual foundation, is the spiritual fellowship um, that we share with Jesus Christ. Uh, th- this discussion about fellowship is, is all really pointless if we aren't first in fellowship with him. And so if you recognize today um, that, that you are not in fellowship with the Lord, that you strayed from your fellowship with him, that there is something in your life that is separating from you, him from Him that, that hasn't been properly dealt with, that you've never become his child, uh, that you've never entered into his body, uh, then we want to help you with that. Uh, if you need to confess your uh, sins, your faith in Jesus as the Christ, the Lord today, uh, through his grace and power, you can bury your old life of sin in the waters of baptism. You can be raised to live a new life. Um, and if you uh, recognize that there's some sin that you need God's forgiveness for, that you need the help of these brethren to work through, then we want to help you in any way that we can. We love you. Uh, God loves you. May he be glorified. If there's any way that we can help you, uh, won't you let us know at this time as we stand and sing together?